Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. Scripture reading this evening will be from Isaiah chapter 56, starting in verse 4. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a better and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also the sons of the foreigner who joined themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant. Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel says, Yet I will gather to him others besides those who are gathered to him. And now would you open God's book, please, to Acts chapter 8. I want to start in verse 26. Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. And just let me tell you how glad I am to see all of you here tonight. Tomorrow is a day off for most. And I hope you get to be with family. And I hope you enjoy it and just have a great time. And isn't it, isn't it wonderful that you and I get to spend a few minutes on Sunday evenings the windows, the shades are open, and we get to, to see the day ending out there, and it's a great uh, time to worship God. As I announced this morning, I'm going to do a short series of sermons on four of the conversion examples. You know what my judgment is about this, that I, I always feel compelled to keep preaching, not every Sunday, but preaching fundamentals I plan to do that the rest of my life. We, we need fundamentals. We don't need to let any generation pass without an understanding of the fundamentals. And I consider these conversion examples, of course, part of that. So I'm going to do four. Now, today we will do two, Saul and the Ethiopian. And then next Sunday we'll do one. And then the following Sunday, which is the beginning of um, Family Bible Week, I'll do the fourth one. And that's how I planned it out. Let's talk about the Ethiopian eunuch. I'll begin reading now in Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. This is not, not the Philip who's an apostle. This is a, the Philip who the previous chapter is one of the deacons. Only call, I call him a deacon. I think that's accurate. Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. <clears throat> so he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning, sitting in his chariot, and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake his chariot, or join yourself to his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. So he was reading out loud. And said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, 
How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. That, of course, is Isaiah 53. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and, beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Christ, or Jesus Christ, is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. All right, now there you have it. There's the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. I don't suppose tonight that I have anything brand new to teach you that you haven't heard before, but that's okay because what I want to do is just relate the important things about the conversion of the Ethiopian. So what let's do is to pull out four or five things that I think are very critical here. The first one is how the Spirit works with people in conversion. So you start with 26, and let's come down to um, verse 29. 29. Then the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. I said, it's a common thing. So what God wanted was for individuals to learn his will through other human beings. And God went to a lot of trouble to make that happen. So you think about this morning's sermon. You think about Ananias teaching Saul. And so Saul is on the road to Damascus. He goes to Damascus, and, and the Lord speaks to him. Jesus shows himself to Saul, speaks to Saul, and, and then tells, after Saul's been in Damascus for three days, he sends Ananias to him and says, now I want you to go and put your hand on him and give him his sight back, and then I want you to teach him. Does that make any sense at all? I mean, Jesus is already talking to the man, to Saul. Why shouldn't Jesus go ahead and teach him? Why shouldn't Jesus do the whole thing? And the answer is, he always wants human involvement. So he would give, God would give his word to men, to human beings, and have them to teach the masses. And in cases like this, he just wanted a man to do it. He wanted a human being to communicate, to convey the truth. And so in Acts chapter 8, here you have the Ethiopian, the same thing's happening. Spirit, the Holy Spirit didn't directly teach the Ethiopian. He wanted... Philip to do it. Go and join. Why didn't the Spirit do it? Why didn't the Holy Spirit just do it? He wants human involvement. He wanted a human flesh and blood teacher to teach him. This is not new. Now, now let's go to Nehemiah chapter 9. I want to show you, even in the Old Testament. Next slide. There we go. By your spirit and your prophets. Yet for many years you had patience with them, testified against them by your spirit in your prophet. Same thing there, see. Now, this is important because 
Some, some people in religion have this idea that the way you become a Christian is that you wait for the Holy Spirit to come inside of you and do something, do something. Somebody came to me recently when I talked about the Holy Spirit in one of our <clears throat> recent Wednesday night classes and said that he had attended a church a few years ago, and actually he and his wife became members of this church. And the first time they were there, the preacher asked them, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Has the Holy Spirit come into you? And, and I want to know about his conversion. Well, the interesting thing is that that's not how it's done. And that's not how it was done in Acts chapter 8. The Spirit communicated with the teacher. The teacher, a human being, taught the student. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 10, you have a similar thing. <clears throat> so you have the inspired uh, apostles who wrote the New Testament, and he says God's revealed these things to us through his Spirit, and not in the way that man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. And so what the apostles are doing is communicating what the Spirit has to human beings. Human beings, flesh and blood, are teaching human beings. So the Spirit would work to come into the teacher, and the teacher would te teach the student. All right, so number one is, and I think it's just very interesting, that the Spirit didn't go directly and teach the eunuch. He had a man to do it. Now drop down, let's make the second point. Drop down to verse 34. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. The second thing I want to observe is what's involved in preaching Jesus. What's involved in that? Now, I don't know if you've studied the passages of Isaiah around Isaiah 53. Now, we've nailed that. We know that's what the Ethiopian was reading, right? But can we just turn back over there? I, I don't know. What in addition to 53, the, um, Philip was teaching him, but he started the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So here's Isaiah chapter 53, and we read it often when we're about to eat the Lord's Supper. It's a great text for that. The first thing in 53 that I want to know is that this is, this is vicarious. The upcoming eventual crucifixion of the Son of God was going to be vicarious. It was going to be done for other people. I know that verse 7 is where the Ethiopian was reading, right? But it's also, look, look at verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. That's 53. But what about 54? Here's Isaiah 54, drop down to verse 9. Listen to this. For this is, because I, I, I don't know but what the, the uh, Philip, the teacher, might have gone from 53 to 54 to 56. Here's 54 verse 9. For this is like the waters of Noah to me. You reckon that, that the Ethiopian knew something about Noah? Expect he did. He'd been to Jerusalem to worship. I bet he knew something about Noah. This is like the waters of Noah to me. For, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so I have sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. You reckon that would be a great jumping off place to talk about baptism? I didn't make that up. First Peter chapter 3, 20 and 21. Remember? Wherein the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure to wherein to baptism does also now save us. 
you think that, that Philip might have done that, starting verse, or chapter 53 and saying, let me tell you about the vicarious suffering of Christ. You're reading from Isaiah 53. It's about Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, let me show you something in 54 about Noah and about baptism and that it's very much like the patience of God during the days of Noah and people who obeyed God, well, they were saved and they were saved by water. How do you like that? But then you go to 56. Oh, don't miss this. I, I can't help but wondering if the Ethiopian has already been reading from 56. 56 verse 4 of Isaiah. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs. You reckon this would pique his interest? He's a eunuch. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Christian. Christian. And it would be applicable even to those who were the eunuchs. I I think this is a great sermon. I don't mean what I'm preaching right now. Of course, that's a great sermon. I'm talking about what Philip is teaching the eunuch here. And so he starts in 54, and he says, uh, 53, vicarious death of Jesus. This is about Jesus Christ. Chapter 50, uh, 50, I'm sorry, 53, chapter 54 is that about Noah, and he, he talks about baptism. And then he gets to 56, and he says, and it's applicable to you. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now. I can fully imagine how that when that was said, if that was what he did, it would just be as natural as could be for that Ethiopian to say, hey, wait a minute, here's some water. Why can't I be baptized? I want to be a Christian. I want to be a Christian. Now, again, I don't know how that played out, but I can tell you these chapters right here are beautiful for doing this very thing and preaching about Jesus Christ. Now, before we leave this, I'm going to do do one one more thing, and that is to say that it's very consistent to understand that when you preach Jesus, that the response is, I want to be baptized. Maybe that's obvious. I just, I know that preaching Christ means preaching to be baptized, and we talked about that a good bit this morning, but I just want to make and impress you with this reality through the book of Acts. Here's Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. I'm going to give you a series of passages, but just, just uh, see that what is consistent with all of these is that people are taught Jesus and then they want to be baptized. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. That's chapter 2 and verse 41. 3,000 were baptized. Here's chapter 8 and verse 12. When they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women... We're baptized. When you preach Christ, you teach people how to be baptized. Next slide. So here's 10 in verse 48 with Cornelius. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. When you talk about the authority of Jesus Christ and you teach people about Jesus, they want to be baptized. What about chapter 16, verse 14? Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us. Don't you think it's interesting? It's very much like Acts 8. He preached Christ unto him. And then then the, the eunuch said, I want to be baptized. Here, she listened to the preaching or teaching of Paul. 
And it just rather casually says, and when she and her household were baptized. You want to know why? It's because when you preach about Jesus, you teach people what to do to obey the gospel. You teach them how to obey the gospel. Here's chapter 18 and verse 8. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed, and the consequence was they were baptized. Chapter 19, verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name or by the authority teaching from the Lord Jesus. All right, so the second thing I would observe is what it means to preach Jesus. And it's not hard, Christians, to, to go back to Isaiah and see just how Philip might have done that because Jesus is... It's, do you remember Luke chapter 24 and verse 27 when, when Jesus had been raised from the dead and he, he's walking with two men from Emmaus and, and he, they don't know that it's him and he, he doesn't tell them it's him and he asks them what is going on and they, they say, don't you know, don't you know. He said to them, oh foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning, listen to this, at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What, what Philip did with the Ethiopian is not so different from what Jesus did because the Old Testament is full of Jesus Christ. If you ever get um, a thumb drive with a recording of what Jesus said on that occasion, would you just share it with me? Because I would love to hear that. I would love to hear all of that. I think I would take it and memorize it and play it in my mind for the rest of my life. All right, let's continue. Now verse 36. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, and and parenthetically, again, it's a consequence of what he's being taught He was taught about this. There's some water. See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The third observation is that we learn something here about what it means to confess Jesus. Now, let me hasten to say that that this verse, verse 37, is not found in all the ancient manuscripts. It's found in some of the ancient manuscripts. And I have no doubt of its validity, but it's not in all the ancient manuscripts. Now, you, don't have to, you don't have to have this verse to teach about confession of Christ, and we'll talk about that some more. But what you have in the English translations is this verse, verse 37, in the King James, in the New King James, in the American Standard Translation, and the New American Standard Translation. If you pick up the ESV, and I did today to check this, uh, it's really interesting that you have verse 36, and then you have verse 38. And and 37 is skipped, and it's for this very reason. It is a footnote there, and it says this verse is in some of the manuscripts, not all the manuscripts. And so there you are. Uh, I've never had any hesitation to teach this, and I, I've never had any hesitation when I'm baptizing people to go back and read Acts chapter 8 about this confession. I want to point out that this confession, uh, whether or not verse 38 is intended to be in the manuscripts, I'm not going to go any farther with that. I believe that it is. But having said that, there's no question in my mind that this is the right confession. And there's no question that it's very different from what a lot of people confess today. 
when they're becoming Christians. The confession that is more common would be, uh, I, I confess that, that um, at least something like, uh, I, I confess that, that I've been saved by Jesus right here and right now, and it would be something that is not found in the Scripture. This is what's found in the Scripture. Now, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 10, you find that if we confess, it's, it's tied to our salvation. Can we go there now, the next verse, next slide? If, we confess, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Now, that doesn't dismiss what we've talked about baptism in all these verses. It just shows that you're not saved by anything alone. And one of the steps in salvation is to confess Jesus, that you believe Jesus is the Son of God. All right. What happened with the Ethiopian? He said, look, here's some water. Hey, can I, could I do this? Could I be baptized like you're teaching me? And he said, if you believe you can. He said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That was good enough. That was good. They stopped the chariot. And let's continue our reading now. Verse 38. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And the, and the, the fourth thing that I want to raise is this. The, the way that people are baptized the, the way that people are baptized. The critical question about baptism, and I would remind you that in Ephesians 4, the Bible says there's only one baptism. When you get to Ephesians 4, there's only one that was critical about a person's salvation. It came down to this, and it's the baptism we've been talking about through, through this day. The Bible says that the mode of baptism was this. There are two issues about a person's baptism. It is the reason for which he's baptized and the way he's baptized. Let's talk about the way or the mode of baptism. It it seems a little bit redundant here, the way that it's said. So he stops the chariot. Watch this. And it's like a, a, a verbal snapshot. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, and why do you suppose he would be redundant like that? Except that he anticipates where we're going to be today and that we need this verbal snapshot, right? So it's not so uncommon for people to treat this like it's nothing. Let me show you the word baptism or baptize, and you probably already know this, but just, just to repeat it, come from, comes from the Greek word baptizo. I want you to read that, to immerse, submerge, to make whelmed, fully wet, it's used only in the New Testament, and um, it means to baptize. It means to wash. It is to dip, to plunge, to immerse. That, that's what it means. And you can, you can research people who refer to themselves as Catholic or Protestant, and when they come to this Greek word, that's what it means, and that's what they say it means. Here's Jameson, a commentator, commentary. Can you find that slide for me? There we go. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown. On my computer, I have a number of commentaries. In my office, I have more commentaries. And, and a lot of times, I'll, I'll consult Jameson. And, and when I consulted him about this word, or I'm sorry, about Acts 8, this very passage, I just thought he was amusing. I, I just, I just, I think, you know, he, he, surely, surely he wouldn't write this. He can't be serious. So this is what he was comment, 
commenting on, they, they went down both into the water and he baptized them. And here's the quote from Jameson. Probably laving the water upon him, you know, like this. Though the precise mode is neither certain nor of any consequence. That just chills me. How could you say that? And the reason he would say it is not because of mental intellectual integrity. It's not about that. It's about following something that he doesn't want to offend somebody who's decided a long time ago that baptism can be conducted without it being immersion. It can't. It can't be conducted without it being immersion. That's what the word means. And not only that, in Acts chapter 8, you have, you have it spelled out. But not only that, you have Romans chapter 6. And the Bible says in verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also, are you ready for this? You come up out of that burial in water, and you walk in newness of life. And the Bible says that he commanded the chariot to stand still, and, and both he and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Then they both came up out. Why in the world would you need both of them to go down into the water if, if you were just going to pour some water on his head or sprinkle some water on his head? It wouldn't make any sense at all. All right. Now verse 39. When they came up, and this is the last one, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. I just want to make the point that 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 was the time at which he was rejoicing, and I don't have to tell you about the meaning of that word. It's interesting that that he uses that, that's what was happening, and it's because of, again, what Romans chapter 6 says, that that when we come up out of that water, we have newness of life. It wasn't because just of how the, the eunuch felt. It's, it's because he understood what the Scripture said because Philip taught him. And he did what the Scripture says. And now he could explain to you why he saved. It's really very interesting to talk to people about their salvation. I, I think that, that we ought to all be able to say from the Scripture why we believe we're saved. What is it that makes you think you are? And it ought to be something more than, well, I just sort of feel like I am. It's got to be more than that. The eunuch is rejoicing because he knows what the Bible says. He knows what he's been taught now by Ananias. He's got it. He started back over in Isaiah 53, which is kind of interesting in the Old Testament, but the Bible is all tied together. And the hero of the Bible is Jesus Christ. Would you like to obey the gospel? I, I, I tell you, tonight we'd be so happy to take you back to the pool <clears throat> of water that we have back there and open again Acts chapter 8 and read these verses and then baptize you in exactly the same way that the Ethiopian was baptized. Exactly. And for the reason that he was baptized. And the result of that would be that you could wear the name Christian result of that would be that you would be part of the body of Christ that you read about in the New Testament. That would be a great time. Is there somebody here who needs the prayers of the Christians? We'd be so happy to do that. If you're subject to this invitation, come as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email 
at collie at westhuntsville.org.